Score. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twenty Wigger and slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, we are here. We are done with Season 5. We are getting into Season 6. Uh, season 5 was difficult, I would say. It was tough. Uh, after starting to get into Season 6, like it's just a breath of fresh air from the grind that was Season 5. I, and and I'll be forward with everybody at this point. Moving on, I pretty much don't like The Office anymore. <laughs> it's hard. These later seasons are tough to me. Well, you know, it's it's our goal really is to make you like some of them or, or look at them as not so bad. Well, that's your goal. My goal is to prove to you how terrible it all is. Um, well, maybe no, you shouldn't really, be such an asshole. Never it's just about a really that? different show. No, I never thought about that. Not one time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's just different, you know. Uh, the, you know, everybody acts really differently. There's some big changes in the episodes we're going to be discussing today that occur that really change the office dynamic a bit. Um, I don't know, just not great. But anyways, anyway. <laughs> we're a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit Broken Jars at XYZ to check out some of the other shows like High Fantasy and Dangerous to Go Alone and the long haul and the Dresden files and all that stuff. Right. And we are also sponsored by Zencaster. Um, you should check them out. Uh, we may or may not be using the service because there may be some technical difficulties, but that's one reason why our past episodes have sounded so good is because of our good friends at Zencaster. That's right. And they are uh, actually yeah, becoming so- like our friends, at least at the network. So, like they were helping rep another episode or another podcast, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's good service and it's good stuff that they provide. <laughs> it's, it's it's all good, just good, good, good. Uh, so you visit Zencaster.com and you get uh, uh, use promo code promo code Broken Jars all caps. You get twenty percent off your first order. We love it. You'll love it. Zencaster, boom, roasted. Boom. <laughs> uh, so uh, technical difficulties aside we're just going to get right into it um, so we start out our season with gossip right which uh, is, I thought was a really good way to get into it they were like they didn't deal with the summer they didn't deal with any, any big things really they just got into the funny so season 6 episode 1 written and directed by Toby himself Paul Lieberstein Yep. Has a great cold opening of parkour. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty classic cold opening to me. Just like super unconnected to the rest for whatever reason. You know, this is 2009. So to me, well past the point where parkour was like culturally relevant. Um, But for some reason, the folks in Scranton, specifically Michael, Andy, and Dwight, just got wind of it, I guess. And are well, they doing... do they do some weird time shifting stuff where it's 2009 and no one really has a smartphone yet. Like Blackberries were big for five years, 
the iPhone's been out for two. There's a lot of stuff where they just haven't quite gotten with the uh, technology times. Yeah, I mean, um, what is it? Season four, Ryan tries to introduce everybody to the BlackBerry. Right. Um, it doesn't seem to catch because we don't really see a lot of them kind of going. It's not really, I mean, maybe it's because of what I'm recalling off the top of my head, but it's not until Saber buys them and they start introducing that stupid pyramid tablet are like all the touchscreen phones kind of more relevant in the show right but it seems like at least a guy like andy would have a, an iphone you know he's still yeah, he's, he's rich and he he's rich it, right? yeah. i mean hell i bought my first iphone in 2008 <laughs> you know like that's a fun story that i may or may well i don't know i i i wanted to funny at a poker game to buy an iphone so i bought an iphone <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Andy, Dwight, and Michael are jumping all around the office, being terrible, breaking things, walking on people's hoods of their cars, you know, like. Right. Like, I mean, that's thousands of dollars worth of damage. Uh, yeah, but it's hardcore parkour, Jacob. It is. It is. Uh, but like. My only question is how much how much liability insurance does Dunder Mifflin have to have just because of Michael Scott? Millions of dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's assuming that the folks in the office like make the claims or whatever. You wonder if they just have become desensitized to his behavior that they just kind of deal with it. Right, it's something we see later with Stanley just going ape all over Michael's car. But that's right. But we have the great scene where they're on. I don't know how they got on top of Vance Refrigeration's truck, but they're on top of a Vance Refrigeration truck. And they're like, okay, jump to the, the refrigerator, to this, to this, 360 spin, backflip gainer. Yeah. And Andy, Andy is just like full on go, which we see yeah. later on in Niagara as well. But he's like full on go. So he just hauls and jumps in and there's nothing in the box. Just fall straight through. That's right. Yeah, no hesitation. Right into the box, and that's kind of the end of their uh, their adventure. Yes, yeah, it's like nice parkour. <laughs> and but I mean that would hurt so bad because that's I mean I don't know how tall a a fifty three footer like that is, but uh, it looks. I mean it's probably at least eighteen feet off the ground, right? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and well, to answer your other question, how'd they get on top of the truck? Parkour. Well, that's true, too. But most of those trucks also have ladders, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, they could have climbed up the uh, the hood of it over the cab and stuff But like I that. still have these feelings where <laughs> where Michael's like, hey, uh, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, can I do this thing? He's like, well, if you pay me enough. Oh, sure. You're... I think you're giving Michael more credit than I would have. I think he's just doing it. He's, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. So, so yeah, the crux of this episode, basically we find out that Dunder Mifflin has some interns that they've had over the summer. Right. Uh, um, a white guy, an Asian guy and an ethnically ambiguous girl. I thought she was pretty white, but uh, I mean, she's pretty white, but she's got brown hair. So who knows? There could be some, Right. Who knows? So Pam says this thing. She's like, it's nice about having interns. Michael made way too many Monica Lewinsky jokes. So they shut down the program. So my question is, is like, 
So when they were trying to get interns and stuff in season four, was that just like a branch program? In not an official Dunder Mifflin program, and that's why they can't give college credit. Because in in the end of this episode, they talk about giving college credit. So I kind of wonder if Michael is trying to get interns in season four, where he doesn't really have the official backing of Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, I mean those kids in season four. He says they won't get paid. They won't get college credit. I mean they're basically like slaves. Yeah. 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 Um, it, and, it's uh, a weird thing because so now, but apparently the internship program in screen has been dead for a long time. So you assume that them going to that college fair is more Michael just trying to get interns instead of Dunder Mifflin trying to do interns. Right. Um, yeah, it's not the first time Michael's moved forward without approval from corporate. Uh, I'm recalling every episode. <laughs> Well, it's the uh, the Dundies at Chili's. Right. Right, where Jan pretty much flat out says that they're not paying for it because they've already had parties that corporate's paid for. and um, Yeah, so so the season four bit also seems like Michael maybe not just ignoring corporate rules and stuff, just assuming that people will be like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael... <sighs> There's a rumor going around and or, you know, the the employees are just gossiping about the interns. That's right. Which is, you know, right of passage. You know, you're the new guy and whatever. And Michael's really just upset that, you know, no one's talked to him. And he talks to Dwight and Dwight's all, all like, yeah, I've got this, this. Like, he's like, I have a very, uh, I have a face you can trust, I guess, is my low cheekbone. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And so Michael is just getting pissed off. I mean, just pissed off, right? So he he starts, like, trying to figure out a way to become the in-person. Right. And so he starts talking to the interns. Like, one of them, I don't know what exactly what he's doing, but it's the Asian one. I don't even remember his name. Maury. Uh, huh? Maury, according mm-hmm. to Dunderpedia. Ah, yes. I don't have that in front of me. So uh, he's like, oh, yeah, we saw Stanley out there. Right. And so that starts his domino effect. Well, yeah. So Michael takes this piece of information as Stanley going through like a midlife crisis and not accepting his age. right? Right. With his own wife. That's correct. So as he starts trying to spread this rumor, Phyllis is the first one to shut him down that um, Terry's actually out of the country on a business trip. Ta- out of town. I don't think out it was of out, town, of, out, out of town. town. And, and, and Stanley doesn't like young people, crowds, or music. Right. So all that information from Phyllis's perspective is totally impossible for Stanley to have participated in any of that. Right. And, and then Michael goes back and like starts berating the dude like you son of a bitch you set me yeah. up and I just feel bad for him you know like you can't do that as a one you can't do that as a boss right like right. you just so can't like you son of a bitch right you shouldn't do that as a boss that's correct <laughs> you know but uh, it happens um, yeah no and then the, the interns kind of go on the defensive and they're like no well we saw Stanley there with somebody and if, and, what, uh, if it was his sister, what they were doing was purely illegal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag in- incest joke. That's right. But like, uh, I don't know. This is a weird episode for Michael because it's uh, like full on character study. Like, this is like someone wrote a character study of Michael, and then they were like, "Hey, we should make this an episode because it shows his like how much he loves to be the center of attention, how much right. he hates to be left out." There's right. so many things going on with Michael here that's just like <sighs> he's. <laughs> Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, in the five years that we had seen Michael up until this point, he's made a lot of progressive strides toward being a better person. An episode like this just kind of sets him right back to, like, Diversity Day, right? Right, right. And and that's kind of the thing. It's like, it doesn't, I mean, it jives, but it also is just like a guy going, fuck it, you know? That's basically right. (laughs) So for some reason he starts telling people this piece of information that he's heard that Stanley's cheating on his wife. Well, cause he loves, he loves it when their well, eyes light up, Jay, right? right? I mean, come on, That's don't right. you love it That's when right. someone's eyes light up for me no. personally? I prefer the dead, dead in the eyes look, but that's me. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, right. if I could see their eyes light up, we're too close to each other. Anyways, <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, no. So finally he gets to Jim and Jim is like, well, you have to stop saying what you're saying. Cause one, you don't know if it's true. And right. Two, it and like true. Jim drops. Well, one, we see this really weird window in Michael's office. That's in the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, that's been there. Cause that's how we watched part of the, uh, did I stutter? Right. Right. But um, it actually slides open. This is the first time. First oh, it like actually just, opens. Yeah. So Which seems, is odd because Toby pointed out during uh, Stanley's heart attack that the windows in the office facing outside don't open at all. Well, I mean that that window doesn't open; it just opens into the hall. So you could you still have to like go through that main Dunder Mifflin door out that window. No, I thought it was in front of Pam's office, uh, her desk rather. Uh, not it's Aaron's desk now. Right, but still, it's still in front of the door. Right, right, right. But that's what I'm saying. Toby says that the actual windows in the office that perform window functions don't open. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I misunderstood what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, with with that, like, you almost wonder what it used to be because it seems like it, like a doctor's office, like window kind of situation where it used to be like closed oh, off. Sure. Yeah. Right. Doesn't that feel like a doctor's office thing where they have the window right there? And well, I mean, I've. Michael's office is like a substantial office, right? Like that is drywall and plaster and stuff that consists of his his surrounding area as opposed to... Right. It was definitely built in. It wasn't, you know, because the square of the office is, seems pretty uh, ne- uh, right. open. Because so. like Jim's office later on in this run of episodes feels much more like a pop-up office. Like there's some, you know, floor-to-ceiling dividers that they kind of construct to give him this corner office, but it's definitely less. But again, even with like that, like you would think that the, like assuming it was a medical office, they would have to have all sorts of billing stuff back there. Like they would need the space to be a medical billing office. Sure, sure. It's just a weird thought I had while I was watching it. I'm like, man, that's just such a weird place for a window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people have still even drawn the, um, you know, the layout of the office based on what we've seen thus far. And there's still like pockets of oddities, you know. Right. Like there's the staircase 
that's over in between Andy and Stanley's desk in that corner where Dwight started the fire. Right. But we know, that, but we know there's a staircase in the annex to the left of the actual lunchroom also. But then there's also some type of weird closet slash staircase that is all the way in the back by accounting. Because I would assume it's a closet, but again, during the fire drill, they try to open it as if it's an escape way. So that must be more stairs too. Right, but that gets retconned in season nine when we find out that's just the storage place for the uh, camera crew. Right. And that's also weird. I mean, it makes more sense that it's a closet, but it's still weird because isn't there a window by Creed and Meredith or no? Is it just wall? I think there is a window, maybe. I thought there would be, but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, I just it's a weird shape building from everything that we've seen. It just seems like a big box. But for whatever reason, the Dunder Mifflin offices don't really seem to fit like a nice Tetris shape. You know, it's just there's like we need rooms. Let's build this room and we'll film it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jim drops drops the knowledge on Mike. He's like, dude, you might be ruining this guy's life if you're wrong, which is right. something Michael never considered. Ever. That's correct. Ever yes. considered. So he stops Stanley in the parking lot and Stanley plays it off for a little while. But then, you know, he gets into it and he's like, I told her we never should have gone, gone to the club for the young people. Right. And so he so, admits to Michael that he has been having an affair with his, uh, his nurse, his nurse. I guess he, I guess he went through a lot of PT after his heart attack. Is, yeah. Or maybe they had like a live in nurse or something. Um, if she, if uh, Terry's out of town a lot, I don't know. Stanley's old. Stanley is old, but it's just <laughs> one of those, like it, they would make the most sense where if he was, it would make most sense that she was like his like phys- physical therapy nurse after his heart attack. Yeah. I don't know anything about heart attacks unless I get one one day, then I guess I'll fill you in on what I figured out. But uh, <laughs> thus far, I'm a little unsure. But regardless, I mean, apparently uh, Terry has, well, that's later, but Terry has found them out previously. So, this has been going on for some time, this thing between Cynthia right. and yeah. Right, which would make sense, you know, because, um, you know, uh, stress relief was in the middle of season five, so the timing works out for it right. to be someone right. related to that. But anyway, Michael is all like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spread all sorts of rumors so no one knows which one is real. Which is obviously a terrible idea, but we do get some very interesting rumors that uh, Andy yeah. is gay. Which uh, yeah, I mean, that's low hanging fruit. I mean, yeah, come on, Andy. Be true. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Angela is dating an eighty-one-year-old billionaire who owns a Quiznos on the Turnpike. That's right. Uh, that Kevin is actually a robot being operated by a tiny man. <laughs> Which is which is obviously Men in Black, but yeah. it's for still pretty funny. Right. Um, Oscar is the voice of the Taco Bell, <laughs> the Taco dog, Bell dog, which yep. is such a dated reference. I think that was dated even then. <laughs> no, it totally was. I mean, that dog's been gone forever. Like, I I think that dog like didn't even last the millennium. Was like a ninety you know, ninety nine kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think when it was around, it was a lot around like 
with force, but yeah, it was it was a short lived force. Yes. <laughs> so we get all sorts of crazy things, and this completely destabilizes Andy. Uh, wait, I just got a few more. Dwight uses store bought manure. Our Toby is a virgin, even though he's got a daughter. Uh, Creed has asthma. Right, and if he has asthma, then he can't scuba. Then what's this all been about? Yeah, uh, Aaron is a bad worker and will probably be fired. Uh, Kelly's anorexic. Uh, Michael's uh, is a J Crew model. No, uh, we heard that about Jim. No, right. I didn't say it about anybody. I was supposed to be about me. That's right. And he's worried that models are just too vapid. That's it. So all this stuff is going around. And then, you know, we get some funny uh, bits where people kind of come to a head with their own rumor. Um, and the big one is Andy. He's like, yeah. so someone like uh, Kevin was giving him shit for liking yes. tea because apparently liking tea makes you gay. Yeah. Um, I don't like tea myself, but that's not because I'm gay. It's just because I don't like tea. Um which makes me a no, bad a bad kid from the south because everyone from the south loves tea, but I, yeah. I cannot do tea. Like I'm like genetically speaking, I'm supposed to love iced tea, but I, I just can't do it. Terrible. I know. But he's like, "Who'd you hear from? Broccoli Rob, Broccoli <laughs> yeah. Rob, Psychot, someone from my high school." <laughs> uh, yeah, and it even goes so far as to uh, you know him <laughs> reaching out to Oscar to get Oscars opinion and oscar by the end of that conversation is like you might be gay he's like <laughs> i don't know i i might re- i i would resist for a little bit but it's brad pitt he's, right. and he's like brad pitt would keep going if you resisted yeah. like you can tell oscar is just confused as fuck about what's going on <laughs> yeah well i mean the other terrible thing is like how little understanding most of the office has about gay people because, like, every time Oscar has to, like, discuss, you know, his orientation, people come at it with, like, such weird, like, preconceived notions. Like, I mean, Michael obviously is the worst one, but Andy also coming in kind of wrong. And um, Angela obviously having a little bit more of a traditional point of view. Kevin thinks it's hilarious. Um, I mean, I know. think Kevin is the one who accepts the best out of anyone who actually talks about it. Right. Like he just makes fun of them for doing it, but he doesn't really care. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so eventually it, it comes to a head and, uh, Michael tries to bring everybody into the conference room to discuss it in the hope. Well, no, Jim, I think is the one who's just it. No, 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 no. They're in the, I think they're in the break room. You know, they're in the break room because the intern is their final day. So it's sort of like a party. Uh-huh. And that's where we get the great. One of you have, will have unlimited potential in business. Right. One of you will do just okay. And one of you will make a very great mother. Right. <laughs> to the three interns. It's terrible. And so they're in there. And then all of a sudden what pops it is. Andy goes to Jim and says, congratulations on the little tuna. Oh, right, 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 right. Which is one of two rumors that are true, right? Right. Because that, yeah, I guess if we all recall at the end of Company Picnic, we find out that Pam was pregnant. 
Right. We know we as an audience know Pam is pregnant, but no one else actually knows Pam is pregnant. That's right. So Michael just got lucky with his guess. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing, but he he seems to have stricken like a a personal accord with each person who has a rumor about them. You know, like Andy obviously goes off the deep end into thinking he might actually be gay and he's not totally afraid of that. Um, Creed obviously is very personally affected by the, you know, having asthma. Um, actually, it almost even might seem he has asthma. But he says he doesn't. He says he doesn't. He's like, no, I don't. If that gets out, I won't be able to scuba anymore. Oh, right, right, right. Which I want to, I mean, I grant it. There are lakes and stuff around Scranton, but where do you scuba? Like, does he just go down, like, the Atlantic and scuba there? He speaks Chinese, you know. He, you know, I mean, he's, he's a man of the people, so there's yeah. no telling. He might be like scubing in somebody's pool randomly. Yeah, like, I mean, when he went to a Lake Wallenpaw Pack, he caught that fish with his hand. Like two two a.m., some dad walks out, like, "Who the fuck are you?" And it's Cree just like scuba diving. He's like, "Got a big sign that says hi." I'm just practicing or something. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so they try to figure out who started these rumors, and they kind of take one and trace it backwards. Right, and they all kind of trace it back to Michael, and Michael just nopes out. Like, he's just right. like, he's sitting in the back of the room and just walks away, trying yeah. to get away from all of it. I mean, it's full-on noping. You know, he's just like, nope, 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 nope. But they catch him. They catch yeah. him, don't leave, and... You know, they bring it up, and Michael's about to say that Stanley cheated on his wife. And Jim and Pam realize what's going on, and for whatever reason, do Stanley a huge solid. They're just like, nope, we're pregnant. We have a, we're well, having a kid on the way. Well, because also not for nothing, but that's going to come out. I mean, most women will properly show that they're pregnant because they are humans, you know? Right, but, you know, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't have to, you know, and it's another couple episodes, it's another month before they get married and she's not showing then. So, I mean, they had some time. Uh, I mean, but they're, you know, we're supposed to like them, Jacob. They're the heroes of the show. So they're supposed to do the good thing, even though they may not be the best people either. Um, Aaron is the real hero, obviously, but, um, yeah, no, they do it, but Michael isn't picking up on it for but whatever reason. They didn't have to. I mean, they didn't have to do it. I mean, you know, it's no uh, one has to do anything. Michael didn't have to go around gossiping and talking ish. You know, I mean, again, the point is we're supposed to like someone in this show. Uh, some feedback I got from a friend about Arrested Development was that it was hard for her to watch the show because she didn't really care about the successes that anybody on the show, you know, had. Um, so similarly, I feel like the office is like, they try to make us fall for Jim and Pam, but I think Jim's a little douchey, especially later, especially later, but still, it's just, I'm just saying that as much as they are out for themselves, it's a solid, you know, it's just, it's a solid move. You know, it's not, I mean, Andy, if Andy said he was gay, that's a solid. I mean, again, all they're doing is confirming what's already true. It's not like they're taking the heat for a lie. Right, right. But they're also, like, deflecting away from 
from Stanley's, you know, uh, infidelity. Yeah, it looks like I said, at some point that's going to come out. So if it's not tomorrow, it's nine months from now if you think she can hide it that long. Um, and even so, then it's both of those pieces of information are out while Stanley still has the opportunity to stop or whatever. Who knows? Right. Um, so Michael calls, calls, calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so he had called Terry prior to this meeting. Right. But he also brought Jim and Pam into his office. Like, why didn't you tell me? That's right. Like, Michael, we just we just told you we just told our parents last week. Yeah. It's like, well, you should have told me. He's like and they're like, You're right, Michael. Just playing to his ego. We should have we should have realized you're an equal member of this. Yeah. Which I think that's you know, as I know they do it because it's the only way to survive, but I feel like it's a um like it's just more enabling than it is helping. Because they, he give, gives them a false sense of connection. Like, which we'll see down the line in, like, the God, you know, in the, the christening episode where he thinks he has this very special connection to his child where he doesn't, you know? Yeah, well, I feel like it's more of a live to fight another day kind of thing. Right, but, I mean, if I, I think that if it mostly causes problems with them. You know, if they would, they would, you know, pick a hill to die on, they would have less problems with Michael because he would have more boundaries. Like, I feel like everyone appeases Michael so he has no boundaries. I mean, he gets kicked out of Phyllis's wedding. Like two minutes into the reception, you know. Um, And he is reprimanded because of his involvement in Oscars. Uh, life, right? Oscar gets a huge settlement from right, the company. But, uh, and a that's car all and from external sources. You know, I feel like if someone from his quote unquote family were to like really hit him, it would have more impact. You know, it's it's corporate being stupid. It's Bob Vance being jealous. It's whatever. You know, there's all sorts of other ideas going on in Michael's head. I mean, Pam is going to slap Michael when she's when he's dating her mom. Right. And well, and that's one reason I think Michael becomes a better and better character is because more and more people start setting up boundaries for Michael. Jacob, Michael was as good as he possibly could have been. And now the show is devolving into some type of Flintstones comedy. It's (laughs) over. Everybody just gets worse from here. That's it. Andy goes on a stupid boat trip. That's season nine. <laughs> it's too close. <laughs> it's too close. I feel it. It's on. It's over the horizon. It's going to be terrible. That's like nine months from now in our watchings, man. Come on. <laughs> it's all terrible. Uh, no, okay. But you, you raise a good, you raise a decent point. I still think, I feel like, again, you're giving Michael too much credit in thinking that he would learn from anything. Well, I think that. Well, and also, too. It's we're, proved we're start, he does learn from things. That's the thing is. After enough times, especially when it comes from people in his own circle, it is it's proved he does learn. Like he starts treating Dwight better after after Niagara. After Dwight's like, I tested you and you you proved yourself wanting, you know, kind of thing. I mean, marginally so, because that dynamic is still about the same, though, until he leaves. 
You're right, but there is more respect out of Michael Torswhite. All right. All right. Man, you and I are not seeing eye to eye at all. I'm telling well, you. Well, this is when this podcast, podcast gets interesting, right? <laughs> I guess so. Until it starts right. devolving so, to Shylock so, gaming. Um, uh, yeah. Mike, so, uh, Mike called Stanley's wife. Uh, it's yeah, Harry. And... You know, Jim and Pam are in their office in his office and they're like, Don't pick it up. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. And he picks it up, he's like he, he gives a full explanation of how he's gonna play it, play it. He's like, I need my condo remodeled, whatever. Which makes sense. You know, good way to go. He's like, picks it up, Hello, Cynthia. Yeah. Hold on hold on just a moment. Hello, Cynthia. Uh, Jim just walks over and just hangs up the phone. Yeah, it's, it's such a, yeah. such a great visual of Jim just going. I'm just gonna save him from himself. Click. I mean, I guess because Terry had caught them previously, Cynthia had a special meaning in her head when he answered that way. Right. Well, it also depends on. I mean, we see in Niagara that. He introduces her as Mrs. Stanley Hudson. Um, so maybe there's that sort of jealousy kind of thing. Even though later on we learn that Terry is okay with sharing, maybe it's something about the titles that gets her upset. Well, well, I guess what I was going to say is he could have played it off as if he just had the wrong person on that line. I mean, he's right, right. a great no, manager no. of a company. He could be talking to anyone. Anybody on the phone and he hit the wrong line or whatever, you know. I mean, right. Any other woman's play. name, if he said like Natasha or something, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely would have gone off a lot better. Yeah. I mean the where he fell is after saying the wrong thing, he like let it sit there in silence for everybody to think about it. Um, but that's the the sign of a good BSer is always keep talking. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Write that on my tombstone, please. <laughs> All right. So the end of this episode is Stanley just beating the absolute shit out of Michael's car with a tire iron. That's right. And that's where you hear my Southern come out, tire iron. Um, <laughs> so is is Stanley justified in doing this? Like, is, like does he have the, the right to just kick the shit out of Michael's car? I mean, legally, no. <laughs> But bro uh, to bro, I mean, your bro I mean, screwed you. If your bro did you wrong, you have the, some rights to, you know, yeah, take if your advantage. Bro code, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. But Michael wouldn't do anything about it. Wouldn't press charges. He wouldn't ask Stanley to help pay for the damages or nothing. I'm sure he just. Well, they're in a bad. I mean, they're in a bad part of town, right? So, right, right. you know, you can just claim of the hooligans who end up assaulting uh, Andy in season nine. That's those, right. 12 grade, those, those 12 year olds. <laughs> uh, trying to see if there's some, there's some trivia here. Apparently Megan, one of the interns was the high school student from the job fair. So, but I'm thinking there's a scene I'm recalling. No, I don't know. I wonder if she was in a deleted scene or something. So I'm trying to think of meaningful interactions that happened during the job fair, and it's just Justin, right? 
Right, it's the only meaningful action, but it could be that she would like he was like, Hey, you should sign up because you know Michael wants, you know, quote unquote hot people. Yeah, like maybe if we saw her somewhere when Michael like got up on stage and did his whole announcement to the right. So it makes me kinda wonder if she's like related or knows somebody on the cast. Yeah. All right, man. So what do you think? You dug this episode. It's your favorite episode. What are you gonna give it? Five out of five or something stupid? <laughs> I like this episode, ex- especially after season five coming yeah. coming out of that slog. Ugh. Um, because I think there's a lot more. Um, the writers know what they're doing more with this quote unquote new office idea. They're also right. building into, well, you know what? Dunder Mifflin's finally going to die. You know, he has this sense of finality to it. So, but anyway, I gave this three out of five. Brad Pitt's on the beach. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so I gave it a uh, 2.5 out of 5. <laughs> What's this all been for? Fuck <laughs> That's the next episode. All right. So we're going into uh, season six, episode two, The Meeting. Directed by Randall Einhorn, written by Aaron Shear. Shear? Yeah. Shear. Sure. Uh, so, this is a really fun episode. The, uh, the cold open is Michael is having a colonoscopy. And he brings Oscar in, which is weird that Oscar is consulted twice in two episodes about. I don't, I don't know why we say it. being gay, gay experience. I don't know. Right, right, right. Gayness. I, I, I don't know sure. the right word sure. here. Sure. Um, and so he's like, it's, he's like, what should I expect in terms of sensation? Uh, what should I expect? Like, can I do something to make it more pleasurable for me or the doctor? <laughs> yeah, it's like his questions are off of a message board that asked the thing but he didn't like those answers so he just took the questions and, asked and them Oscar just yeah. nopes out he just like he like puts his <laughs> hands up rubs his nose and just walks out the door like nope I can't deal with it yeah yeah it's great uh, so so and so we get in the beginning of this episode and the main story arc of this episode is uh, Jim has pitched an idea to David Wallace Yep. Where he would take over Michael's job and Michael would be promoted into Jan's old job, Jan slash Ryan's old job at right. Northeast Sales. And so what we learn is that um, Scran has taken over all of Buffalo's accounts. Yep. Which is interesting. It's sort of a retcon. Maybe maybe they reestablish later on, but uh, in season eight, uh, when they're fighting over when uh, Big Red is that season nine season no season eight Big Red Bear paper happens. Um, he they the guy from Rochester's like you don't cross state lines. It's always been the case, but here Scranton has had New York clients for two years now. Right? Maybe it's a new thing, or maybe it just wasn't popular though. Maybe, or maybe, well, like, maybe, at maybe, that point, I mean, is that still Dunder Mifflin? Well, it's still Saber. That's that's true. It does transition to say that's Dunder Mifflin Saber at the time. 
Right. So I, maybe, uh, that's a good point. Maybe after that they redivided clients. Yeah. Something you don't talk about, but it could it could happen. Yeah. Um Yeah, so you know, so Michael doesn't know this though, right? So they have this good meeting with David Wallace or whatever, and then David says that him and Jim now will meet and Michael is not involved. Right. Uh, yeah. And you know, I have to fault Jim here. I do, because in my experience and most of my dealings, like, you know, I do have a master's degrees in bi- master's degree in business and all this stuff. The best thing you can ever do about when you're trying to move to another job or get promoted is to talk to your boss. Don't don't skirt it. So I kind of blame Jim here. Given Michael's history, though. If Michael knew he was going to get promoted to Jan's or Ryan's job, which he was going for in season three, three. Yep. he would have been, you would have just been over the moon ecstatic about Jim taking over his job because he was getting moved up. Because we see this um, in the next episode where he's like, look, my opinions are more important than yours. So as long as he's getting moved up, he doesn't give a fuck about nobody. Man, I don't know. I don't think that's true. Because if you look at, um, I don't know what season it is, but later on when Daryl moves on up, um, you know, he's got that office about, uh, that idea rather, about how to kind of maximize how the warehouse packs and loads trucks, right? Um, And he tells that idea to Michael. Michael never passes it on. Right, and Michael gets really pissy about it. No, that's what I'm saying. Daryl proposed it to Michael first, and then Michael never shares it. That's where Daryl's forced to go over his head to tell Gabe, and then it gets approved. Right, right. No, but but this directly benefits Michael. Michael uh, gets promoted, maybe moved to New York. You know, yeah, Daryl's thing was just a good idea. Jim's yeah, saying Michael der- could have taken that credit though. He could have been like, you know, listen, one of my warehouse guys and I were working and talking or whatever and done this and Well right, I mean, but Michael's too stupid to realize that. We've established that. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that you can't give Michael a pass on one thing and say that he's knowledgeable enough to know that this is like an easy way for him to get promoted. I don't think that would because I, I think you're not letting him focus enough on Jim taking over his branch that way. Well, I mean when he thought for sure he was getting the job, he held tryouts. And Jim was his number one contender. Yeah, but that was three years ago now at this point. Right, but still, I mean, I think that if, if Jim had gone to him and said, look, I have this idea that involves you getting promoted and me taking your job, Michael would be like, yes. Perfect. I don't know. I mean, he just came back. This is two episodes, like three episodes away from... The end right. of Michael Scott Paper Company, and then all, of, and then all of a sudden, they want to move him to New York and make him an executive. That just they are, valid. They are, op- they are open to that idea. That's just stroking Michael right there, man. <laughs> oh my goodness! For those of you listening to the audio version of this, Michael just uh, Michael. <laughs> oh man, I just Michael D. Jacob. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, moving on. Right, so okay, so there's an argument definitely to be made that Jim should have let it. I disagree. I think Jim did. It. The right way because I think if it came from David, because also too Michael will fight everybody below him tooth and nail because of what you just said. His opinion matters more. If David is the one who says, "Hey, listen, what if we bring you up and put Jim in your place?" 
then I think it's that's when he's more susceptible to it, you know? Right. Because and you know at that point it's already a guarantee. Right, but Okay, I'm gonna tackle two subjects real quick. In the office you you have to get Michael on your side because Michael's going to destroy things. That's just who he is. He's going to destroy things. In the real world, if you're trying to move up in your company, talk to your boss when you apply for a new job. It's the right thing to do. Add that to the Jacob Wiki. Make it a pit pin post at the very top. Talk to your job. Talk to your boss about moving jobs. It's fine. I don't. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just saying that Michael has proven more than enough times that he is a destructive force, involved or not involved. Right, but imagine, I'm saying that Michael is a very unique situation, and this this Jacob rule of internal promotions maybe is applicable in the real world. But Michael well, is the worst person. And you texted me earlier this week to discuss the Peter principle, right? Right. Michael is at this precipice now. He is already currently incompetent for the role he is currently fulfilling. Okay, so for the people who don't know, the Peter Principle is a uh, business principle derived in the book The Goal, which I highly recommend reading. Even if you're not in operations research, highly recommend reading it. But the idea that is eventually someone will get promoted past their competency. And that, that, that is what Michael is. He's a guy who is the best salesman ever and they're like, oh, you've got to be a great salesman. Then you must be great at leading salesmen. And they make a manager and he's terrible at it. Right. I mean, that, that is essentially what the Peter Principle is. Uh, but still, if Jim, just think, think about this. Think about how Michael thinks about Jim. Jim goes, hey, Michael, I have this idea. And it involves you getting promoted to corporate. What do you think? Michael would eat that shit up because it's Jim saying you should go to corporate. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think he would be, I'm not saying that he would immediately say no to that idea, but I think we're looking at a very different Michael Scott in 2009 than we had previously seen when he wanted the same role. Right. But we also have, well, I think he would want it more because Jane isn't there now. Um, I mean, he wanted it a lot then, right? Because he could work with Jan. The no, reason that wasn't, he, his, that wasn't his only reason. It, it was a, it was a benefit, but I think generally, again, more money, more luxurious role. I think those are the more appealing things, right? I I and still I think, think he still wanted the job, even though uh, Jan got fired. Right, right, and I I think maybe I mean if it were me. I would be like, it's about time. You know, it, it's about time I got moved up. He got passed over once. They realized their mistake and now they're coming home. I mean, if I was a narcissist like he is, that's how, what my mind would be going through. If everybody, if Jacob was a narcissist, don't call him one now. Oh, no, it's just, I, I have a very, I have a very good opinion of myself. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, um, I, I know my value. I know my worth. I know what I do well, and I do, I know what I do poorly. So there you go. There you go. Which there are the go. four keys of business? Um. All right. So, 
so let's just go off of Jacob's train of thought here. Jim has made a work work faux pas. He's gone over Michael's head and he's proposed a meeting with David to make this role suggestion that Michael be promoted out so that Jim can be promoted within. And theoretically speaking, everybody's happy, right? Right. Uh, Michael doesn't know any of this, though. So the fact that there is a closed door meeting at all has him very. Yeah. I mean, if I. This is another if I were Jim, I would have had that meeting offsite. Like. I would have been like, hey, I've got a sales meeting. And, you know, if you ever propose to David Wallace, like, look, Michael's crazy. We don't know what he's going to do until you talk to him. You could have had offsite. You could have gone to a Starbucks or whatever, talk casually. Like, having it there at the office where Michael can see it was a bad idea. Just bad. I idea. mean, it, it should have been at some type of breakfast diner near some outlet stores. Yeah. Where, yeah. where David could get a teddy or... You know, or the Lane earrings. Taylor for his wife. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I it's not. People have meetings, right? I meet with everybody in my office, from my immediate supervisor to their immediate supervisor, without that. Right. It's a thing that happens. Though I guess the problem is that David had said you're not allowed in this meeting. Right. It's but, supposed to. Just but be... it's also just part of a corporate structure. Also, but it's I also mean, you know. Everyone takes notice. So I work for a company. I won't say their what? name. Well, well, what what are you saying? But you work for a company. But when but when we have representative representatives from Memphis show up, things are different than just normal meetings with my vice president. Right. You know, it's a bigger deal when I meet with these people from Memphis who are vice presidents than my own vice president. At least, you know, in the you know, the social zeitgeist around the office. So it's one thing if the reason that over that, that, that larger structure in this office office, you know, everyone who's above Michael isn't there where I'm assuming where in your office, you can probably go four or five levels above you and still have people there locally uh, at the campus. Yeah. Give or take. Because essentially, there are three levels or two to three levels of, of uh, workers at Dunder Mifflin Screen, right? So we know Angela's head of accounting. So you have your heads. So they're, they're a different level. But everyone, in, but for the most part, it's you and Michael at this, in this one building. So there, there is no talking or just meeting with people day to day. That are above Michael's pay grade. Um, yeah, I know, but that's this also isn't day to day. Like I'm just saying, like it happens, and right, despite it, Jim's sneaky way of getting the meeting, it doesn't excuse Michael for sneaking in on a cheese cart, right? It doesn't. Excuse no, no, I'm not saying that. Barging into the office while talking on the cell phone. I'm not if, saying that what Michael does is right. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's different because wallace is there from new york and michael is the highest person in the office so he should be in a meeting between wallace and anybody that's just a corporate structure thing yeah not necessarily though i mean you know i mean it's it's fine it's fine (laughs) keep going 
Uh, so do you want to hit the B storyline, or we just want to keep going? Uh, refresh my memory here. So B storyline uh, is Daryl breaks his ankle. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. So so there's this fun little team up between Toby and Dwight where they are investigating Daryl's claim. Right. Uh, and this is where we really learn about um, Toby's love for the hard-boiled detective. Yeah. I mean, we've known, I think at this point, that he writes stories and such. Um, no, not yet. Yeah. No, no. When we, I think the first time we hear him talking about his novels is when Joe, during the whistleblower episode, where they find it on his computer. Oh, that's true. Okay, so we don't know yet, but now, now I guess this is where the seeds planted. Right. So um, I'm going to bring something up. Yeah. Just because, so in this episode, we find out that Andy has this weird, nebulous thing with his cousin, which is which is weird. <laughs> but you know, yeah. going off like Parks and Rec, I kind of wish they would made the cousin a character and made her sort of like. A Mona Lisa Saperstein kind of person. <laughs> Someone crazy who just comes to the office and disrupts shit. And Andy's unsure if he should sleep with her or not. Like, it's a terrible, it's a terrible storyline, but it's a great character storyline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to say, I, uh, you know, uh, last episode we released, I had done with Amanda and we did the webisodes. And to me, that was really refreshing because the humor came from, like, the natural awkwardness that occurs in a workplace, you know? The um, walking down the hallway and saying hi to this person who you've said hi to eight times that day, but you just keep passing by them and you feel like you have to acknowledge their presence, right? I guess what my issue with is what you just said (laughs) and with the rest of the show moving forward is that it really kind of gets – sitcom-y in a way that sometimes feels like it's a little more typical humor than like why I had bought into the show originally if that makes sense. No, that does make a lot of sense. It becomes more character driven, less environment driven, which like especially the first two and a half, three seasons were all about environment driven humor. Yeah. I mean, I just recently watched, and I wish I'd watch it sooner, but it's called... um, what we do in the shadows, which is like a, a mockumentary out of New Zealand, and it features one of the guys from Flight of the Concords and um, the dude who's directing the new Thor movie. He was starred in it and he directed it, but it's basically The Office, except we're following hundred-year-old vampires in modern-day New Zealand. And same thing, it's like I don't know. It's just a very different type of comedy style, like you're saying. You there, know? There's humor in the mundane. Yeah. And that's what the uh, first couple. I say two and a half seasons. I, I I say would say near the end of the third season they go more character driven humor, but in the first two and a half seasons of The Office is very much the humor of the mundane. Yeah, and admittedly, how long could that go? But that's the argument as to why the show kept going for you know six years again after it kind of ends nicely at the end of season three. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, what is it? I, I had a friend in college, and we had watched the the Super Bowl episode when Stanley gets the heart attack. You know, we watched it live on television, and he kind of shook his head. He's like, "This is kind of jumping the shark because that whole intro 
is just like insanity. That's not how a workplace would go, right? Um, but it starts on this weird thing that Dwight is starting a fire on purpose to show the training, so much so to sabotage all the doors so that no one can escape. And it's just like how this is like some John Hughes Home Alone nonsense here, you know? <laughs> um, so it's and it's those moments are really rare moving forward, I think. But um, the cheese card is a situation where it's like, oh my goodness, it's like, come on, come on, Michael. Right. This but, is not how a 40-year-old man would try to get into a meeting. Right. Admittedly, it's like his third attempt, so maybe it would be a 40-year-old man's third attempt to get it's, into it's a meeting. It's the airtight plan. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, we've already established Michael's odd relation with reality. So It is odd. So I I think part of this is that, you know, Mike Michael is who he is, and I feel like he, he may... He ugh, he maintains a, a specific character um, throughout everything. Should I take a call from Comcast while I'm on on the podcast? <laughs> I mean, if you guys are going to talk about the office, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, but I mean, I it it's it's Michael, and Michael is becoming more and more absurd. As the office has gone on. Right. Michael honestly becomes um, more of a caricature of himself than anyone else, which is something I hate. Because if you watch a lot of sitcoms, especially like Friends, other things, is where um, How I Met Your Mother is another good one, where they're like, they become caricatures of themselves. Right. They only become certain personality traits instead of being full, complete characters. Which is bad for Michael, but it does make sense in the whole mythos of The Office. Yeah, I mean, there's there's times moving forward, and we're definitely on a tangent here, but like when Holly comes back, it's a better Michael to me because he has a focus, right? Um, and Holly does make him want to be a better person because even though she shares some of his oddities, she's like a regular good person. Right. You know? Well, and we're also in this weird time where Michael doesn't have a focus because we're we're working into the point to where uh, he's dating Pam's mom, and then we go into him dating Donna, which is a whole other thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like uh, I think we're uh, gonna lose a lot of lot of listeners in those episodes. Just an FYI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Because there was a there's a you know. Uh, I guess it's always things that are frustrating to me, especially within a franchise, is when a story covers a plot point that we've already resolved. You know, um, so Michael obviously found Holly, but he's not with her. So we're retreading this water of Michael dating women and either him being weird or them being weird, right? And we've seen this before already, and I guess that's why sometimes it like kind of makes me roll my eyes as we're going to approach it again in this season because it's like we saw this already, you know. Right. I mean, I feel like in this season of Michael that it's um, he's. I mean, obviously, the Pam's Pam's mom storyline is funny for very obvious reasons. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good episode or two full of jokes. They're cringy, but they're funny. You know, it just the entire back from the honeymoon episode is really fucking funny. Yeah, just because of the whole thing. So I get that. 
the the Donna sleeping with a married woman thing. I don't really get why they did it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, it's again, before we're talking about the character development, it's like, what does Michael learn from that? I, I mean, the only thing that comes to the top of my head right now is that maybe he's at like the bottom of his barrel now. Well, you know? he's about the bottom of the barrel, but there's also a very good, I mean, and we'll hit this in the next, when we ever, we hit it, but there's a very good Michael moment where he says, I have to decide if I want to be happy or happy with myself. And I right. chose the second one. So he realizes after seeing the husband, what he has done is bad. Yeah. So it actually does build. I mean, the Pam's mom thing is completely for humor. Right. The Donna thing is, I mean, it's a thing. It's, it's a thing. And we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Right. Um, okay. Let's get back on track. That's my fault. I'm just disagreeing with Jacob left and right, and he keeps having to defend himself. Hey, man. This is why you listen to us. Okay, no. so we are well, in... Let's... Uh, well, there's, a slight, there's a small C story, right? Yeah, um, Pam trying to get people to come to, like, RSVP for the wedding, and Meredith goes, whatever is fanciest, unless there is ribs. That's right. And she'll text Pam the morning of her wedding for directions. Still, again, this is two thousand and fucking nine. The yeah. first and like multiple Android systems have been out by now. Everyone's got a fucking smartphone, right? MapQuest, Google Maps, Yahoo Maps, yeah. anything. Jesus. <laughs> and um, Meredith was staying at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like she just has to go. Hey, Kev, let me ride with you. Or hey, Kev, you want to ride with me? And they're there, you know, kind of deal. Right, right. All right. So, what do you give in this episode? Um. Yeah, it's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my two point five. God, out hater! Of five. Hater. Look at all these cheeses. You're just a fucking hater, man. Yeah. Uh, I really like this episode. Um, it's got some good character development. It's got good. It's pulling people away from Michael. I don't like. I don't know when uh, Steve Carell said he was leaving, but. It starts separ- making these characters uh, different people. You know, they yeah. aren't dependent on Michael, so we see a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, a three point seven out of five big birds. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, next up we've got the promotion. Um, written and directed by Jennifer Salata. So this is the episode where all of the secret meeting from before has come to fruition. Right. And there's this great cold open where Dwight's trying to get his expense report signed and they're just, you know, bucking it to each other. Yeah. Which I don't know why Jim would do this. I really don't. Like, if I were Jim in this situation, especially with someone like Dwight... Because once the job is there, people can make case for being in that position over you. I would have been like, sure, dude, man, just, you know, whatever. Like, I would have, like, that just seems like a stupid thing for Jim to do. Well, let me ask you this. Do we think um, back in season three, if, uh, if Jim stayed in the running for that new job, do you think he would have gotten it? Oh, for, oh definitely, definitely. 
Yeah, because that's what I wonder. It's like Jim has shown this initiative to move up in a way that Dwight has done all these secret meetings that we joked about last time. So like Jim's, um, uh, what do you call it? Jim's motivation to move forward within the company is like public knowledge, I guess, is my point. Right. Um, right. And Dwight coming at it from this perspective might seem weird. And plus, I guess David Wallace is so involved in the goings-ons at Scranton that he probably knows Dwight's a little bit of an oddball anyways, but... Right. Um, well, it actually raises an interesting question about Dwight. So, I mean, maybe he's just happy where he is. You know, there are some right. people who are great at what they do and they like where they do it and they don't want to move up, right? But you would think that he would have to at least be given interviews because he's the best salesman at the branch right and has been for years like he would be the number one candidate if he went for them so the question is why doesn't he go for them yeah that's a good point um well i guess we could blame it on his relationship with michael uh well that and i also i mean he also has you know ties right i mean he's got his bee farm he's got moves he's got all that stuff, which is important to him. Right. But still, I mean, I, you would think that he, among anyone else, would be asked to interview. I mean, if they're going to ask Jim to interview and Karen, they have to ask Dwight to interview if they're being honest well, with themselves. Jim and Karen called, though. They said they'd like to be considered for that position. That, that, so. that is true. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I was thinking wrong. You're right. Um, yeah, and not for nothing, but in, in regards to this particular cold open and the prank, Jim, Jim's only asking him to say please. Right. I mean, he's, yeah, that's true. That is true. But, I mean, I don't, I couldn't be like, that. Imagine that, imagine that write up, right? Dwight does this whole thing to Toby about how Jim is hindering for him from him doing his job. They call him Jim and he's all like, yeah, because Dwight came barging in and didn't just say please. Like, then it kind of seems like Dwight's wasting everybody's time by filing a complaint. Right. It's just one of those deals where I, I look at it and go, you know, if I, that is your job. Right. You know, you, I mean, this might, this might be, you know, talking to Jim's uh, douchiness later, but his job is to sign that expense form, no matter who is ex- you know, asking for it. So he shouldn't be fucking with Dwight. Right. That's his job. That is his job to sign the expense report. And I feel like he should be more professional than he was. Yeah. Well, again, I just spent the last 20 minutes telling you how I, I hate everybody in the show moving forward. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're totally right that Jim is kind of being a little petty in this situation here. Right. And, and that's sure. kind of just where I'm, I'm banging off of things. It's like, dude, come on. It's your job. This is your job. Right. Do your job. Right. right. Um, yeah, so Dwight ping-pongs between everybody to get this thing signed, and this is where we kind of discover what um, what the two roles are for these two co-managers, as, as, as they're named. So we've got Michael, who is responsible for the big-picture concepts. We are not told what those big-picture concepts are at the moment, um, but that's kind of what this episode tries to explore, is figuring out what those are. 
Jim is responsible for the day-to-day items like the expense reports or, uh, you know, I guess what have you. But obviously it's not clearly defined because we get to a situation later where um, they are given a task um, that for whatever reason they both want in on it. But I would say that it's not a great job. It's kind of akin to um, Dwight being tasked with finding a new uh, insurance policy for the company back in like season one or two where it's uh, it's a role where you make a decision that can either be favorable or unpopular with your staff and then you get kind of yelled at or whatever um so david calls and he says hey listen um i need you guys to like basically we can't give out cost of living wages this year you know the the raise budget is very tiny i think it's like one percent or something like that or it, it's small so uh it's up to the branch managers and in this situation the two of them to decide how to divvy up the small budget that is afforded to them uh to give these raises and um they bicker a little bit about who that would fall under because from michael's perspective it's like these are their living wages and it affects like how they perceive the company. So it's my job. And uh, Jim feels like it's his job because it's, you know, it's like this is your paycheck every week. It's day to day. This is kind of a business as usual kind of concept. Uh, but David reveals that really he'd like both of them to focus on this task because it kind of affects everybody in the office. Um, so both managers should be responsible for dictating who gets these phrases. Um, although a very great bit that we uh, get to see is Michael trying to figure out what the professional name for Jim Jim is. I I don't know how he got to Timothy. Like, yeah, like (laughs) Tim to Timothy, or like if you like James Timothy. Like I don't get that right. Like (laughs) it's just such a crazy jump. Um, and of course Jim's like, yep, that's it. I'll take it. Um, so they so they end up in the conference room to discuss who gets these raises. Right, but uh, an interesting thing is is we were discussing a line of toilet paper. So apparently Dunder Mifflin was looking at making office level toilet paper. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, which I don't know. Honestly, is not a crazy thing because. Most, uh, most, most, uh, paper mills produce toilet paper. Uh, right. you know, you know, all, all the big major ones, uh, I can't think of any of them, but, uh, they all make every paper product because they have the ability to do it. Yeah. And you don't, you know, you do it like a, a sub brand, you know? Right. You like, don't call it Dunder Mifflin toilet paper. That's right. Yeah. You call it whatever love booty toilet paper or something like wipe easy exactly something classy toilet buddy (laughs) (laughs) um so i don't know so how would you do this jacob you are given this task to uh give people raises in the office but you know that it's a, a hugely reduced amount of funds available to you honestly i blame it on corporate um, uh-huh. I just sent out the email. Look, corporate says we have this much money, and I would even put out the number. 
Corporate says we have this much money for raises. That means everyone gets this amount of money. And John, everyone would hate it, but they would be mad at corporate and not at me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's like an easy way to do it, right? Just like, it, no, it's hey, yeah. not me. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get a bit more creative, though, my, when I was saying this, like, maybe I don't have the authority to do this, but if they had changed the sales people's commission structures, they could have given them no raises and actually incented them to have more money. Right, 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 right. I mean, so, to me, when when I watched it, the first thing that came to my mind was like, why make this public announcement to everybody at the same time? Right. And I mean, that's what I mean. I wouldn't mind doing a public. I mean, I would do it the easy way. I would go and say and I would blame corporate. I would have a presentation, bring everyone to the room, was like, look, this is the honest truth. We have this much money for raises. Right. And so we're just going to divide evenly among everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the way I'd go. I feel like, um, yeah, yeah. Really, you just gotta blame corporate. That's it. There's no other thing that you can do anyway. So why try to? Or or you say, look, we're gonna give the non-sales people this bigger raise, but we're gonna change the sales people commission structure to where they're ga- gaining an extra three percent on sales. Yeah, if if they're allowed to do that though with budget, right? Assuming that's allowed, whatever. But I mean, I would just go, I would just go even across the board. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like the way to go. I mean, presumably they—that's how they probably did it in the past, right? Now it's just the same, but less money. Right. I mean, but you also have the whole merit merit based raise thing, which is important. So. But it's hard to it's hard to mix those apples and oranges, you know, sales and non-sales in a company like this. Right. So you need to deal with them differently. And so that that's how I would look at it. Yeah. I mean, the bean idea was a good idea, but you shouldn't have left that room by itself. Right. And so it's 2009. When this was recorded, it was 2009. They have yeah. ability to answer their corporate emails on their phones. Why didn't they do that? What do you mean? All right. So um, the reason they leave the room is because Aaron comes in and says, David Wallace is sending an email. He wants both oh. of you to reply. Right, 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 right. right. They shouldn't yeah. be able to do it from their phones. Yeah. And I mean, and even if not, because again, let's, let's buy into this world where these smart enterprise level phones don't exist. We take turns replying to the email. Right, right. But you let Dwight sneak in there, and then he lets everybody else in, and Pam's got no beans on her face, and it's like, oh, God. But, you know, like, I mean, this kind of gets into Andy's character, who's like, Stanley doesn't deserve more beans than me, even though he admitted his sales are way down. That's right. Yeah, a couple times. And honestly, that's just kind of what he does moving forward. He's just a terrible salesman. Right. Yeah. So I wonder why the shift. I mean, that's I mean, that's a writer's thing, and I know you don't like it when the writers do Andy wrong, but still, it seems well, I mean, like a weird thing. I don't like why they do him wrong because, like, what you're asking is like, why did they do it? Aside from the fact that I think they needed a character who was just not good at their job for whatever reason, you know. Well, um, I mean, he, he does. He, 
the thing is, though, in this episode, he says it's because of the economy, which, you know, in this episode you can buy because this was during the crash. Right. But I mean, again, he's one of four, five sales reps now in this office. No one else is accusing the economy of being a problem. Right, but maybe he maybe he thrived on those higher dollar clients. You know, that was his brand. He only had like, you know, where Dwight might have 100 clients. He has got 20, but he's got 20 high value clients. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is possible. But that's the thing. I mean, like, they go out of their way to write Andy as a terrible person or uh, sales rep, also person. We get there. But uh, they don't give us that explanation other than this throwaway line of, oh, it's the economy. Right. Uh, but he just says his, his, uh, just says his sales are down. Too many S's. Right. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he even says to Charles last season, right? He's all like, I feel like I should be, you know, judged differently because I'm new here. Even though so, he's been there for two years. Right, and he's got so he's got all types of excuses for being a set bad sales rep. But even though I work at a company where they're like, if you haven't been here for five years, you don't know what's going on. Like right. I heard people say that. I'm like, I, I didn't say anything. I was like, really, bitch? You want to? You want to go? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a discretion is a better part of valor, and I use it a lot at work. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, so, so there's another storyline going on here. Now Pam is going around this time clarifying information for the gifts for the wedding. Um, and specifically that they want cash. Right. Right. Um, so you have a great note here because Kevin writes a check for Pam. The first successful, I will give you money offering. Who loves eternal glory. Yeah. And you know what? I wish I could have registered, registered for cash. I mean, most of our gifts we used, but, you know, wedding gifts are really good if you're 22. Right. They're not so good if you're 29. When you've been living on your own, have your own, you know, you've had to buy everything. You know, I, I almost like. Yeah, I mean. That's the thing, too, is like back in the day, presumably, um, you know, couples didn't live together until they were married. Right. But like when me and my girlfriend moved in together, we brought the contents of two full apartments into one apartment. And we had actually way more stuff than we needed. Right. That's what happened. I mean, me and my wife, we didn't uh, we didn't get married. We didn't live together until we were married. But that was more geography than anything else. Right. Um, But. Yeah, we. We had to consolidate two apartments. She didn't have a lot, but I mean, between the two of us, we had two sets of pots and pans, two sets of silverware, two sets of all sorts of stuff. So, you know, like the most out of everything I've gotten out, like we got one really nice set of knives and that was, that was nice. Like they they were a nice set of knives, like thousand dollar set of knives, which are great. But the only other thing I've really gotten a whole lot, whole lot of use out of is all the Blu-rays we registered for. Because we're nerds and we like to watch movies and TV, so we register for a lot of, blu- a lot of Blu-rays. But that's about it. <laughs> like I wish well, I could have registered for just like cash. 
but gift cards. Well, it's tough. I mean, because not for nothing, but like, so we know that Jim and Pam are tight on money, right? Um, and if we haven't known that, we know that that's going to be a thing moving forward. And then this kind of cements that concept. They have a wedding out of state at Niagara Falls. You know, it's like, it just seems crazy to me that like, like why have this big wedding anyways? They were already well, teasing the idea of getting eloped in Ohio or whatever. And right, but, but they, they talk money. about it. And we'll talk about it as soon as they were, they, they were hoping that going to Niagara would discourage people from coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. They do say that, but it ends up being a huge wedding. But that's all cost, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, like, why, why pay for a wedding anymore in today's economy if that's what we're going to blame it on, Andy? Um, you know, because like your that's your your reception, your actual wedding, hiring a photographer and a videographer and a DJ and all the catering, and you're just like, who cares so much? It is so much. I mean, I don't know. We are, are we actually going to hit the Niagara this no episode because we're getting pretty deep on these three? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll push Niagara off till next but, time. I mean, knows. I. If I could, if I could do it all over again, I would get married to the JP and just have a really nice reception. Yeah, because Pam, like, has, that's what Pam has this be. perfect line where she's like, I, "Why do we invite all these people?" Yes, and it's so yes. true. Well, and, and the craziest thing is that I, I that I was told going into the wedding was the the people you one hundred one hundred percent expect to come won't, and the people you don't expect to come will. Right. And that was true. Like, I mean, I was super glad he was there, but one of my friends from college who lived in Montana flew down for my wedding where some of my wife's family who lived within driving distance didn't come, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just, That's nuts. I mean, yeah, I, I, I had a friend from college fly down from Montana where my grandparents didn't come, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Weddings. Weddings are crazy. Me, I mean, they're. Say, call me a millennial. If, if you're, well, the thing here's what you need to do. You need to get an enforcer if you're the bride, especially yeah. if you're the bride. Get an enforcer, because that's what our wedding planner was when we got married. She was an enforcer. Uh-huh. Like my wife was like, "Don't let my mom within ten feet of me," and she didn't let her. Like she was just like, no one fucked with her unless she gave like unless my wife was like, she's okay. It was a full-on, like, VIP zone around my wife, and that really helped. Yeah, I mean, you need that. You got to cut people short on, like, who's talking to them for too long and all that stuff. Um, it's the only way because you never enjoy your wedding day. I mean, again, I used to work at weddings as a videographer, and, like, there's no way. Those people are being harassed all the time. They paid us at the end of the night, which means they're walking around with their checkbooks already. Then you get people who are complaining oh. about what foods they get and stuff. Well, that's why we we did everything in advance. So when we the day when we got there, it was done. It was just all done. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the wedding day was tough. I mean, I remember like I remember snippets from my wedding day, but like once we got into the evening, it was just us. That's when we really had a good time. Right. You know, like we were just like out by ourselves at a bar drinking. No one cared. Just having a good time you know yeah yeah 
Weddings are way too expensive. Just don't spend the money, guys. If you're listening, just don't spend the money. Go to the JP, have a good reception. Have, I mean, if you love that person, the wedding doesn't matter. That's right. Um, so you have a note here also about Kelly freaking out about this potential raise thing. Um, and we're trying to figure out what happened to Ryan's car because apparently it broke. Well, right, but Kelly walks in carrying bags of, like, looks like she's been at the mall. Yeah, it does, yeah. And she puts it down and it's like, how's that going to repair Ryan's car? So apparently she's involved with, you know, dealing with Ryan's car. Internet doesn't say, so I don't know what happened to her car, but yeah, maybe it was just like a ding in the mall or something. <laughs> seems weird. Well, it seems like Ryan's car is broke. That's what yeah, it seems it does. like. And right, it comes up at some point where Ryan says, oh, no, no, it comes up during Michael Scott Paper Company that he rides with his mom. That's right. As one of his pros. So, you know, green friendly. Uh, oh, so maybe it's not fixing a car, but maybe it's that he's trying to get a car. Or maybe he bought a cheap one and it broke down. So, yeah, I mean, she, I mean, it's just. It's established and maintained a few times through the series that he uh, he just ta- he bilks money from her. Yes, that's right. Yeah, before he goes to Thailand, he's all like, "We should." I like. I need to loan a couple bucks, and we should have sex. But even then, like, she, like there are a lot of times until they are quote unquote done. Yeah, that she talks about giving him a lot of money. Right. Ah, uh, Ryan, you're a terrible person. Well, I hope he got that Xbox. Because <laughs> that's what he was working for. Um, so it's one thing I did want to talk about is, so the whole raises situation, right? Yeah. This is one area where people always want to talk about knowing their bosses and being friends with their bosses or whatever. But this is one of those areas where it's good to have that divide. You know, not a, not antagonistic divide where you're like, oh, I hate my boss, whatever. But there is a, a gap between you and your boss or higher people when they're trying to give raises. Right. You know, because the more friendly you are with someone, the less authority they have. So I feel like that's what happened in this episode where they're just like, you know, everyone knew Jim. He was really friendly with them. They knew Michael. And so they were kind of stripped of all their authority. Where, like, even Jim, I don't even, in this entire band of episodes, uh, doesn't feel like he has authority at all. Right. Except for when, because I, I believe this is when he uh, shuts Ryan in the closet, but. Yeah, that, that's around this time, and I think also we're kind of around the time of um, the Koi Pond. Yeah, that's come up too. Yeah, 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 yeah no, so it's true, he never really quite... He never really gets a grip, and then once Saber comes on, uh, Joe removes that position anyways. Right, right. Yeah, so... I mean, the only reason why I could think David even let this whole thing go is that Scranton just must be doing such huge volume of sales that that's the only way they could rationalize that, you know? Well, well actually, here's my idea. So Alan, because he talks about, you know, needing Alan's consent... And he, even when he calls back, he's like, look, I talked to Alan. He had this crazy idea about right. two managers. So I believe 
that Michael would have gone to New York and Allen did not want him there. And that's why they had the two manager ideas. Huh. Because who, who is Allen? He's a CEO. CEO? Yeah. So, um, Alan chimes. So, Jim has this crazy idea to get Michael moved up to New York. And then, after it's all said and done, Alan has the idea to keep Michael in screen. Right. Yep. I mean, that makes sense. And the issue, the issue really is they didn't stratify. You know, because putting them on the same level was a mistake. If you're going to have two manager-type people, you need to have a senior manager and, you know, vice manager kind of positions instead of co-manager, co-manager, especially when someone's been manager for as long as Michael has been. To ask him to assent, I mean, he's essentially asking Michael to take an emotion is what's happening. And so I get why Michael pitch to fit i really do so it really should have been a tiered structure where yes jim gets promoted but he's still under michael you know in in the structure yeah i mean on when i had said it before too but like really like it just seems like there wasn't a clear definition of what they were responsible for right it It, seemed like really they were given big picture little picture And it kind of seemed like they were just trying to get Michael to quit. I mean, that's kind of the feeling I got. They were like, fuck it. We're just going to, like, promote Jim and get Michael to quit. Yeah, I mean, the corporate can't really be liking Michael too much, again, because we're still so close to uh, Michael's paper. But he makes the money, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's probably hit or miss. But someone must have been crunching numbers and figuring out, like, really how much of it is Michael's doing or not. You know, they had him do the lecture circuit. They had him have that one-on-one with David. Nothing was shared. There was no information there, you know? Right, Michael right. was really just stumbling blindly through this thing, and I bet, like you're saying, if they're trying to push him out, uh, they're just assuming that that branch could kind of run itself. It kind of does after, um, you know, later on when Will Ferrell's there and then he's incapacitated. We find right. out that the office is kind of like running without a boss, and it seems to be going okay. Right, which I understand for salespeople. I mean, as not having a really tight manager for salespeople makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I work in a very uh, project-oriented business, so I understand having someone who is dictating the timelines for projects. Right. But that's not sales. It's completely different, you know? So Right. Uh, so, anyway, they had this really terrible fiasco with the beans, right? Right. Uh, and so everyone's angry. And Michael comes into Jim's office with a with another world's greatest boss mug, gives it to him, and he takes a, a whiff of it. He's like, "What's in this?" He's like, "Gin." Yeah. And what I really like about this episode is the beginning. Michael hates dealing with this like with with Jim. He hates it. Yeah. He just hates it. At the end, he realizes it's really nice to not take all of the blame. Right. Yeah, it's a nice moment. I mean, it's it's kind of a mirroring of that moment after Survivor Man mm-hmm. where uh, Michael comes back and Jim kind of like talks about his failed efforts with the birthdays and such. And, uh, you know, it's one of the few moments where 
Michael gets this relief of being able to share the burden of his position with someone else. Right. Um, and then I guess it's like gives Jim some insight into Michael's brain and that he's not really just blindly doing whatever. Like there's a little bit of method to his madness. <laughs> yeah. Little bit, but there's, there's some. Even though we got way off track on this episode, where are you giving it? Um, I'm going to say it's a 2.7 out God, of 5. You're a terrible person. <laughs> uh, 2.7 out of 5. I deserve, I deserve more beans than Stanley. <laughs> Even though Andy does not deserve more beans. <laughs> he certainly does not. Um, I like this episode. I think it really gets things moving for this season. It's funny. So I gave us a four out of five fixing oh. Ryan's car. Oof. I didn't know we were just giving out good votes for free today. I people. really like this season. This is one of my favorite seasons. I love season six. I, it opens up. I think I, I like it better later. Uh, you better. <laughs> you. We should all hope. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you can find me... Um, on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingalls. We're at Broken Jars at XYZ forward slash Great Scott. Uh, we're on YouTube if you want to see us yammering at each other. Uh, yeah, we're we're all over the place. Please hit us up. We would, uh, we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars if you want to like hang out on our on our Discord. All that good stuff. Uh, yeah. That's it. Uh, check out Dangerous to Go Alone. We shifted our schedule just like Great Scott shifted as well. So you'll be listening to Great Scott this week and check out Dangerous to Go Alone next week. And I think High Fantasy comes out next week also. Uh, yep. Uh, we'll come yep. on next week. So there you go. Uh, all types of good stuff coming out of Broken Jars. All right. Have a good one, everybody. What? Yes. What? <laughs> Bye. According to Zencast, you have fifty megabytes fifty megabytes left, so that worked out. Yeah, we, we squeaked right in. We got so far off track there. <laughs> yeah, you sound a lot better. That like second half of that whole show, you sounded like you were auto tuned. Well, luckily it records me locally and you locally, so locally, that's what I figured. Yeah. That yeah, that's what it does. It, you uh, left or whatever. I didn't know when you came back. Yeah. Um that's the Chromebook. It's got like so little RAM and stuff. It just doesn't shit do great. Man, I, I need to just make you like a Raspberry Pi podcasting computer. Yeah, I should do something. I mean, really, I got this just so I, I could write for D&D and stuff like that. But I bought it living with my brother who had like a souped up PC now that he's moved out. It's like shit. I didn't realize I must have... Yeah, like we're, we're uh, yeah. you see, my girlfriend's laptop will freeze at the moment, and the Chromebook's holding up pretty well. Uh, what's the date? Uh, today's the fifth, sixth, sixth. That's not what I want. Um. 
We may not have a YouTube to upload. You know, I told to record. Got out. Jacob slash videos. Well, that's not good. What size um, graphic do you want? It's like a 16 by 9, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just whatever YouTube will take. I just, yeah. you know, I was looking over it and I was like, you know, it might just be better to have a. You know, graphic instead of just our random image that they take. Right, right. I know they recorded it. Oh, oh, there it is. That's a big file. I'm going to have to start. I'm going to need to get another hard drive for this. <laughs> 